Conversation Matters episode 8 with me, your host, Jerry Lynch. Today's very special guest is Cork GA nutritionist, Johnny Holland. Johnny, you're very welcome to the podcast. How are things? Very good. Thanks for having me on. Not at all, my man. Johnny, for anyone listening, I suppose, can you bring it right back? Uh, maybe education days and the route you took to, to the current career path and to, to your current work today for us? I suppose like education and academics were never really on the horizon for me because I played a lot of sport and I was decent at school and all that. I didn't not put any effort into my education, but I was playing rugby quite a bit and ended up playing professionally. So that was kind of where my career path was going. Um, but from an education point of view, I went to school in Creese Street, went to college in UCC, did a commerce degree and uh, kind of first, second year went all right and then I was going to like get out the back end of this and without throwing it away because I wanted to just focus on my rugby full time. So I got it, my kind of everything was about getting your 2-1 and all that, but I, I chose my uh, my kind of modules selectively to get there and without having to put too much effort into it. Uh, we were lucky that we had a study month at the time and it was it was all kind of all right to get through. So I got out the other end of it instead of playing rugby full time. Well, I was playing rugby full time anyway, but rugby full time on its own, no distractions. Um, and I ended up retiring with an injury, just turning 25. So I went back and did a postgraduate. I was actually after starting a postgrad nutrition degree anyway. And I had a lot of interest in nutrition and kind of going through my career. That's what I was really focusing on, aside from the rugby aspects of it. But that's where I kind of thought I saw, that's where a lot of my interests were, like away from commerce and business, but more into nutrition and performance and sport, obviously. But um so I, I drove on into that when I retired. It was something that gave me a bit of a focus when I didn't have anything else to do from a sporting point of view and um, a job or two in between. And I ended up kind of going out on my own from a business point of view and, and, and getting clients and all that. So like that's where I've ended up where I am. Excellent. And you're involved with the Cartier firm? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a big kind of cloud over the GA at the moment and what they're kind of doing. And I, I have no insight into it whatsoever because... You know, the, the squads obviously aren't together and they're training very separately and individually, but they are training away individually like anyone else, I suppose. And before this, it was great. Like, I really enjoyed last year. The, the kind of two years ago, I was involved in the under-20s in a very much part-time capacity. And GA roles are part-time, but I, it's really full-time. Like, you know, when you're thinking about the hours you put in around it, but going to kind of twice the amount of championships as what the championship games are what, as what most people get to do because I was working on both sides with the hurlers and the footballers. It was kind of fairly interesting and, and kind of I, I played a lot of GA when I was younger but I mean obviously I stopped in for a while and immersed myself in rugby and I would have kept an eye on it but not as much as I would have liked to because you know you play rugby you have to watch rugby and everything involves rugby so getting back to what I would have watched when I was growing up and stuff was really you know I really enjoyed it and just kind of immersing myself in it to a degree having to go to a lot of training sessions a lot of matches and getting to go to Croke Park and all that was really really enjoyable but obviously there's nothing going on at the moment so uh, as much as the lads are probably trying to get back at all costs, I wouldn't mind getting to a bit of championship games as well this year, you know. So, but like I'm still involved in rugby as well, so I get to see probably a couple of different cultures and in sport at the moment. Where I'm actually like a, a rugby coach with Carcan, I'm a nutritionist with the GA, so I get to kind of be a fly in the wall a small bit more and look at the culture and step back as opposed to being the one kind of heavily involved in that, you know. So. It's interesting anyway, especially in the, the current climate and how people are dealing with it. There's there's definitely uh, a lot of learnings in it. Excellent. Fair play to you. You must get a fantastic kind of vast majority of experience, I suppose you say, dragging in both different codes of the GA plus the, the rugby. And on kind of a macro level then, are you dealing with 
squads like in terms of the nutrition work you do with them is it sent out kind of as a team platform to follow or are you dealing with players individually or a bit of both going on like with Cork how it was set up before they didn't have someone on site as much you know now I'm not fully on site but like I'm there a lot more than what other people would have been and that's not against the other people they weren't given the the kind of capacity to do that I suppose and they weren't always in Cork even so when I was coming in, I came into footballers first and then into the hurlers, but the big thing was that we needed to work with people more individually, and that's the way I wanted to work anyway. I know it's a team setting, and you can definitely cover the bases uh, with general guidelines and stuff, but I wanted to be able to kind of have an effect with fellas on an individual basis, and that's what the, the management at the time wanted. They didn't want this kind of one talk every six weeks kind of a thing, and fellas forget about it. It was someone to interact with and, and get proper kind of um, conversations going with, kind of in a, in a formal and an informal way by just hanging around, being there when they're eating, and and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, like you, I, I still send things out, like make PDFs for a WhatsApp group or I can interact with people when I'm at training and all that. But it, I would meet players at training or away from training in a one-on-one capacity as well, just to, you know, I, I do think you get a lot more than just a nutrition conversation out of it as well. You can kind of, I think because I've played sports, lads would have had a conversation about other aspects of it and how to deal with it. And very, very casually, not that I was a master of all things, but it was nutrition plus a little bit extra. But even in the nutrition conversations, you can really drill down into what works for them a little bit more because they're not, there's not fellas at the training ground or at the table for, for food listening in in the conversation and they can kind of focus only on that as like, yeah, there's fellas listening to them and that's one thing. But then I suppose when you're at training, I, I've, got, I've gone away from trying to make so many meetings around training time because there's someone poking a ball off the wall over there. There's a fella taking freeze over the other side and there's a physio table, there's a massage table. There's a lot of things going on, so they get distracted and they, they feel like they're away from the group, so they'll they'll be kind of trying to run away and I'd be the same, like you wouldn't relax into the same kind of conversation. So I think meeting fellas off site really worked out to to kind of get to know them a small bit more and get into their habits a small bit more as well. Brilliant, Johnny. And I suppose what you're really explaining to us basically is that rapport. It's what I speak to with my team of staff and, and with fellow coaches a lot, is that building up that little bit, regardless if you're there for kind of physical personal coaching or nutrition or mindset but that you're also there kind of as you say basically on the sidelines for the chat you know yeah. for the for the whatsapp text that they can actually kind of rely on you there's a bit of accountability and as i say it's a bit of rapport and relationship on top of what you're actually just being there to be paid for like you know yeah i think like for me the relationship is huge because like going into rugby coaching first i suppose i didn't really know what i was doing i was a player coaching as a player you know and then you have to transition into coaching as a coach and i think the big thing for me is that coaching is coaching no matter if you're doing rugby soccer ga nutrition exercise you know you're a coach and being a coach means you have to deal with the person first i think and uh that's the approach that i like you know some people are a bit more authoritarian and that works for them they have a bit of a fear factor fellas will play for them and there'd be a bit of a there'd be consequences if they don't and all that kind of stuff but i'd much prefer to understand the person know the guy who's coming from you know, a busy house with a couple of kids or no, the fella who's coming from a college assignments and the fella who's also coming from college that doesn't actually go to college that's kind of telling you fibs and you can tell him to get his act together. You, you, you need to know the background to understand the person and then you can start getting into the detail of it. But I think if you don't understand that as much, you'll wrong a person or you leave them off the hook a small bit. Um, so I think it, it, you'll be much more effective in the long term if you can kind of, if you have the, if you have the ability to have more time with people sometimes you don't and that's fine and sometimes you click with fellas and sometimes you don't click as quickly or whatever it is it takes a bit more time but I think having that kind of mentality the the person first approach is important like excellent very well said yeah brilliant and Johnny one of the main reasons I want to get you on today of course is 
for exactly what you just mentioned, basically, is that background, that experience you have, both in physical sport, I suppose, and coaching, and then obviously in what you've kind of continued on to in sports nutrition and kind of the idea of nutrition for performance. Can you kind of discuss and explain those terms a little bit for our listeners and and how they apply to your daily kind of role now and the work with the, with the elite teams and that? Yeah, like I suppose sports nutrition is all just it's all about getting someone to perform at their best, like isn't it, and, and fulfilling their potential from a physical point of view, maybe from a mental point of view as well, because you you need to get guys tuned in, able to concentrate for the full hour and you know hour and a half really for all these kind of games. So it's it's really kind of like for me being in a it's a semi professional as amateur, but it's it's really high end amateur sport in the GA and it's, it's, with us over in Carcon as well, they're just a step below any of the professionals that are going up to Munster and those guys come back to us as well. But, you know, it's about being a facilitator, a fly on the wall, giving them enough that they can go and play the sport because sport is the, is the part, it's the priority, it's what they should be doing. It's not getting obsessed with their nutrition, obsessed with their strength and conditioning. It's a very uh, important factor, but it's just something that is there along the way to facilitate them being the best that they can be or as good as they care to be, you know, so... Obviously, within that kind of sports nutrition, like for the most part, unless you're dealing with kind of more extreme elite sports, you're really trying to stay away from the extremes. You're not going too low on carbs, you're not going too high on carbs. There's a load of different things that athletes will want to kind of double down on one one particular thing. And you're like, you know, that's not where your biggest growth is going to happen. We tick that box already. Let's tick the next box of priorities, I suppose, to uh, bring out as much percent as we can. But like it, it's dealing with kind of preparation, recovery, and the kind of the intra-sport, intra-training kind of physical and mental performance, really, like, isn't it? So I think the, the biggest thing for me is just getting them to understand it, so educating people so that they can understand it, so they can do it for the hours that they're away from me or others as well, and not just only knowing what they're doing if someone's around or only knowing what they're doing in a certain situation, that they can put that, that into a different context as well and still kind of flourish on their own, like. Yeah, that's brilliant. It makes a lot of sense. And I suppose away from your own job within the role, within the entire camp, let's say, or the entire squad in terms of backroom staff, do you see an emphasis put on the importance of nutrition at, at that elite level from your colleagues? You know what I mean? I mean, you're there, you're obviously yeah. putting a huge emphasis on it. You're, you're talking to her. That, that's what every converse, every, you know, nine out of 10 conversations is about. But like physios, massage guys, yeah. coaches, are they up to scratch with kind of implementing and encouraging the importance of it and, and kind of helping you as such? Yeah, I think they are, like especially in the GA, I suppose. And like I said, there wasn't someone around all the time to be able to do this stuff for them. So other coaches probably had to pick up the slack or the, you know, I, I don't like saying slack because it sounds like someone else wasn't doing their job, but they weren't they weren't able to do it um, as much. So it was a bit of slack really in terms of physios or SNCs, like especially Declan O'Sullivan with the herders. Like he would have been really hot on some of the hydration aspects and and some of the uh, the nutrition aspects, which was kind of crossing away from his job. But like someone had to carry it on for them, so they are really in tune with how important nutrition is. And like I know you do get like management might not understand it as much as what we do now because they played the game and it wasn't as important for them. They just want to play, and and they're right in a certain aspect. But they completely respect the role and they, they would always say, look, if it's nutrition, go and speak to Johnny and don't like, you know, they, they always refer to me and they, they keep me as a part of the group, which is, um, it's great. But like in, in these kind of setups, you can very much fall outside of the group because the SNC coach has to be there. The physio has to be there. The manager has to be there. I don't have to be there. Like the, the show will go on, you know. So the fact that they kind of keep me included in that and, and deal with it as a, 
as a priority as well shows that it is coming up in in kind of elite amateur sports and in professional sports you can see it all the time but it is becoming more and more important and they can see the importance of it on their on their performance as well that's excellent Sally. yeah and it must give you great encouragement in terms of the role you're doing and to, to keep kind of educating yourself that you can keep offering more like that the lads are actually there's there's plenty of respect there they're listening to you can maybe see some of it being implemented and of course then it's clear for everyone to see the actual progress on the pitch like but that's it. Like you can, when you see the team progressing, you can feel like you've had a part to play in it. But like you can't say that it was you on your own. So it keeps you kind of grounded in that sense. But you know that you kind of are chipping away in in the background as well. Like, but you know, there's lo- loads of different aspects to it. But you have to take some sort of like a, a winning team. Like everyone's job becomes easier, you know. Uh, and then a losing team, you see some kind of lower hanging fruit that you can improve upon as well. So that's also a kind of a. It, it's something that's rewarding once you get out the other side of it, you know. But like yeah. teams, team sport will keep you on your toes as well. Dealing with a squad isn't easy, and you know? I've been part of a squad, and you can see the different characters within the squad, how much you get their buy-in. Like a lot of this stuff, you have to get before you even start coaching to a real capacity, because if you don't get the buy-in, you don't have the players, and once that spreads through a group, you're in trouble. Like you know, so there's a lot of intangible things to the coaching and trying to deal with the the group and the culture and. For me, even knowing which meals that the different GAA teams like, like the hurlers and the footballers won't particularly have the same preferences as a group or with, within the culture um, to eat the same meals and you have to try and kind of balance which one likes which meals and keep them kind of in good spirits, keep the morale up and food can very much have that impact on the group uh, in tough weeks as well. Like, you know, so, but they keep me on my toes and make sure that I have the answers and if I don't have the answers, not to spoof anybody and to go in and find the answers and be very honest about that because I think the minute you're dishonest about this kind of information or coaching information or anything like that, you, you do start to to lose the group and you're in trouble then. It's a, it's a sinking ship in terms of your own role or capacity, you know. Yeah, excellent. It's very interesting. And Johnny, in terms of obviously, if you're talking about those elite teams on the, and the senior squads at Cork, and kind of what I was going to say to you is regardless of whether you have experience with kind of minors, teens and maybe kids or children, coaching them or not or working with nutrition do you see across the industry maybe maybe at a, a macro level the same industry that we're both involved in a kind of an interest there or kind of younger teens and kids you know asking questions and becoming a bit more curious and interested in nutrition as, as a topic absolutely like i think even just in the kind of uh, gym and health and fitness industry on its own you can see that this stuff is going younger and younger and then from a team sport point of view even with Rebel Oak and minors, they're getting a lot more now than what we would have had at our age. Or like I can see from a rugby point of view, I started with Munster at under 18 after kind of divisional stuff at under 17. But now it's going younger, like, you know, so from a from an organizational point of view, they're definitely trying to get it into fellas earlier. And I, I speak to groups, even in schools and clubs and all that. I've spoken to under kind of 14, 16 groups. I, I wouldn't have had that or anywhere near that at under 14 or 16, you know. Especially at GA level, like you know, it's uh, it really is going going younger and younger, and they've got opportunities that you can say we didn't have, but uh, it's what to do with the information as well as another thing. But from an individual point of view, even with people who aren't involved in sport or even elite sport for their age, you can see more and more people at the gym. It's probably the way like society is going that we're more into ourselves and it's more pressure on young youngsters to be in decent nick or whatever, but. They are. It's becoming like cooler to be in a gym as opposed to being out in a bush drinking somewhere, and uh, it it is becoming that kind of thing where you meet your friends in the gym. It's becoming social, and it's the thing to do as opposed to when I was sixteen, you were inside in the the GA club, probably on your own, maybe one or two more, and uh, it wasn't a fashionable thing. It was just something that you tried to get a little bit better at sport, maybe, and and a bit of vanity involved there as well with a 
couple of sens- sets of guns at the end, but it was very much try- just trying to get your work done as opposed to socialise inside in a commercial gym, you know. And I suppose what I was going to add to that is that we spoke recently on another podcast and the, the guest was just mentioning where, as you kind of touched on as well, it's education here is the key. You know what I mean? And even coming back to a term that we already used here in this conversation in that nutrition for performance. So like if we're chatting to 30 TYs and there's every Tom, Dick and Harry, we have our fundamentals that we might try and get across and might be a little bit of weight loss and, and, you know, kind of just living a healthier life. But bringing it closer back to your own job than your day to day work and the rest of it. If we are looking at squads and sport players and and hopefully we move on to elite, it's coming back for me, it will be coming back to that nutrition for performance. And we'll soon run through there now, maybe a match day, and you can give us your insights into each part of the, of, of the day around around the event itself. But it's it's very interesting what you say, and that there's definitely, I mean, I suppose it's very obvious that there is far more interest these days, maybe say from under eighteen. But it's just the, I suppose, as I say, the key might be might be education, or like even in the schools again, mentioning T White, it's the idea of actually penciling in a module, getting someone like yourself in, you know, working through actually explaining bits and pieces. And hopefully they might be able to implement it then. And I suppose also, maybe if you go a little bit younger, it's catching the parents, you know, reaching out to the parents, let's say. Like we, you know. we've spoken to the parents uh, with Cork at, at younger levels and you'll give a chat to the minors, but you'll also give the, the same chat to their parents, but maybe look at it from a different angle, you know, and just try to educate both parties because some of the time the kids want the best things and if the parents don't understand it, they don't, they don't buy in, like, you know. But like you said two aspects of that performance is different for everybody like the performance for somebody going to a gym and trying to keep their kind of numbers up while dieting down that might be the, the like it's a different type of performance than performance for an athlete who's going out to try and play a 60 70 80 minute game at a high level but then these guys are obviously hanging out together as well so you've got a you've got a GA player who his friends are getting shredded for the summertime you need to make sure he knows what performance is and that he's educated around the lack of performance if he goes too lean or too low on body fat percentage as well. Like, you know, so I was lucky in that I had education from someone called Catherine Norton in Limerick. She worked with us at Munster and she, her biggest thing was educating the players because that, before that we were all just given things and told to do whatever, where she was like, I want you to understand why you're doing it. And it's not just, you know, cattle following each other, each other around anymore. She wanted us to understand why we were doing it, which was great for us, but it was also kind of really started to hit home with me that education was the biggest part and I asked so many questions anyway that I just encourage so many more questions back now and I don't don't shirk uh, questions because I think that's the way I learned and I want that to be the way other people learn as well. So Johnny what I wanted to put to you next was kind of a quick walkthrough of kind of game day nutrition so you're looking at kind of I suppose morning into early afternoon and pre-game kind of hints and tips then into half time the kind of whole refueling and kind of resetting area and then post-match and, and uh, recovery in that. So can we bring it right to, I mean, if I'm a player kind of maybe approaching you Wednesday or Thursday evening with a weekend game, just looking for the top kind of two or three bits of advice in terms of pre-game. Yeah, I suppose like if you were coming to me on a Wednesday or Thursday before a Saturday anyway, I'd probably have told you to come to me three weeks ago or four weeks ago or whatever it was. And that that's not being smart. But like with these guys, that the, the point is that I'm I'm trying to get them to, and it, like in sports nutrition anyway, you don't want people to try new things when it comes to championship. And you get that when I worked at the 20s, especially, I was very much part time and uh, none of them would kind of chat to you until the week of championship. And you're trying to get rid of that because, you know, you, you don't want any kind of stomach or gut discomfort. If there's things that don't really agree with their performance on the day. So you want to have these things practiced beforehand. But if you go by the general guidelines, 
it definitely starts kind of you know the last training session before the match basically is how it works you know 36 48 hours before the match so it normally ends up being their last training session like with Carcon we're a lot more structured in when we play so we know that after Thursday night session you want to get a good feed and then and then you have your match day minus one on the Friday which is where you do a lot of your fueling and then you go into match day which is the, the part that you're speaking about particularly but from Thursday evening in that situation you're talking about kind of looking at your your carbs protein uh water intake reducing your fat intake to a degree and and focusing on, on like carbohydrates are your high intensity fuel for these kind of field sports so that's what you're trying to focus on and then after the training session on a thursday you want to get a carb and protein rich meal which doesn't disrupt your sleep if it's later in the evening and then uh, and rehydrate and then get back to friday morning where you can kind of you've no training you've nothing to kind of be performing for all you're thinking about is relaxing recovering and fueling up for the next day which you do by just adding kind of carbohydrates throughout the day you might you might keep your exact same routine but with your porridge in the morning you might have an extra bit of porridge an extra scoop or you might put granola in on top of it a banana something like that uh, extra bit of fruit maybe it's an extra greek yogurt with some fruit on top of it and then throughout the day you might add one one extra snack or you might add a an extra scoop of rice with your lunch an extra potato with your dinner and in the evening time which you mightn't which you wouldn't always do you might have a bowl of cereal or a bagel with some meat and relish in it something like that so that's the kind of game day minus one preparing you for like most of your fueling because it is hard to fuel on the match day and this again like there's guidelines but then you have to deal with people very individually like when i came into the hurling group there was one person in particular that really wouldn't eat on match day but i don't know did he understand about um like he couldn't eat on match day found it really hard which is fair but I don't know if you understood fully about game day minus one kind of uh, mentality. So like that's where you can really help that person out by taking a bigger approach to it as opposed to just match day nutrition and helping them to do most of their fueling beforehand. Whereas other guys might find it very easy to eat on match day. So you don't have to fuel as heavily on the day before. But in general, in match day, you want to eat your, your main meal kind of three to four hours before the, the, the kickoff or the throw-in. So uh, again, with us in Carcon, we, we play at half two nearly all the time on a Saturday. So we eat at about 11, quarter past 11. And uh, and it's just a routine for us. Obviously, when you're... Like, you don't have to really teach those guys the guidelines as much because they just have a routine, you know. So when you're dealing with kind of variable kickoff or throw-in times, that's where guys have to really understand what's going on. And it's the three hours before kickoff is your, or throw-in is your last main meal. Uh, not that you can't eat after that. We'll, we'll probably move on to that in terms of dressing room stuff. But we generally work backwards from that thing because that gives you your routine. What's three hours beforehand? That's your main meal. And then two to three hours, every two to three hours before that, you'd want to have a snack or a meal. So like with us in Carcon, it's a bit of an awkward time in one sense because we'd eat at 11 o'clock. Will a guy get up between eight and nine and have his breakfast or will he just wake up at 10 o'clock, go to the hotel and eat? You know, so personally, I would have gotten up and had a bit of food, maybe a smoothie or those smoothies can be very handy because they're easily digested and you drink them instead of eating them. So if your appetite's not great, you can still get it into you to a degree. But I would have gone back to bed for an hour then and uh, and got back up and had a second breakfast of pasta and chicken or whatever. Uh, but some people can't do that and won't do that. So that's fair enough. But like trying to deal with what the best way is for them. And then you get kind of later throw-ins, especially in the GA, uh, might be a half seven job. So you get a kind of a half four dinner, four o'clock, half four dinner. Um, you'd have a normal lunchtime. You'd have a normal breakfast time. You might fit a snack in between one of those meals if you're hungry or normally bored on match day anyway, hanging around. So um, that's the kind of food side of it. But obviously, you need to keep your hydration up as well. 
um, without overhydrating. If you're in and out of the toilet too much, you've overhydrated. Your urine's too clear. You need to kind of get some salt in your in your match day meals or your or maybe some electrolytes or something like that, just to retain the fluid that you are drinking. Because we don't want to drink it to get rid of it again. We want to drink it to retain it. So it's doing some good in your body as well. So there can be a big kind of uh, hydration emphasis on match day where you know, get the water into them, but also get the electrolytes into them so that they're not overhydrating. But I think overhydrating you're better off overhydrating and, and kind of fixing it than being underhydrated, you know. So, um, but that's kind of, and then you get into the, the dressing room like up to an hour before the throwing, you'll have a good half an hour warm up, I suppose. So, even up to an hour beforehand, fellas will be picking at things and they'll be getting caffeine gum in or carb gels or picking at fruit, picking at jellies, that kind of thing. It's very much a carb protein uh, hydration focus from the day before right through to after the game. Excellent, great insight, Johnny. Thanks for that, my man. And I suppose what, what I just picked up out of it there, which was very interesting, is the time frame you mentioned very early on, and it just it just a light bulb went off for me straight away in terms of in my own line of work with the personal training. For me, what I could relate to is a, a couple getting married, and they're at my desk or my door three weeks before the wedding. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like you should have given people there maybe six months ago. That kind of yeah. idea, you know, it just it just kind of very relatable <laughs> what you're saying. But I'm Looking sure you get the same with uh, with photo shoots because I've had it where people come to you, oh, I want to do one in six weeks' time. And it's like, you really give yourself no time for error uh, or kind of troubleshooting. Like, if you want to do a six-week prep, give yourself eight weeks or why why not? Like, you know, and at least if you give yourself the bare minimum and a social event pops up that you didn't really think about, but it was always there, all of a sudden it's like alarm bells and you don't know how to enjoy it or you can't enjoy it and all this kind of stuff. So, like, give yourself a small bit longer and you're able to tr- troubleshoot a lot easier, you know? Excellent, it's great advice. Yeah, I'd always say if they, I'd always actually take a look at the calendar with the client, and like if the calendar allow, as you say, with social events now and occasions, but if the calendar allows doubling up on what the initial idea was, I'd encourage it. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I can, I can, and sometimes it can come across from a an income or, or a money point of view, but hand on heart, that's never it. You know what I mean? As you yeah, say, exactly, you yeah. best interest at heart, and it's like if you want to nail this, whatever the goal might be, let's give yourself extra time as opposed to yeah next time you know what I mean but it's a very insightful answer there in terms of the pre-match stuff it's very very good so can we move forward in Johnny as you say you were, we're, um, we're 35 40 45 minutes in the lads are coming back in and then like I suppose for you then if you are there on the days that you are there kind of in the dressing room with the lads as you say I'm sure it's pretty pandemonium and emotions and shouting and yeah. everything going on but like as you say, then in terms of refueling, hydration, are you suggesting kind of resting, stretching, massage? You know, I know it all goes on, but is your aim still kind of ref, you know, undernutrition, refueling, yeah. hydration, and those bits and pieces? Big time. Like I think I'm nearly lucky to be in the dressing room, and I kind of forge my way in because, like, I don't necessarily need to be there if I know that the lads are doing the right things. But like, all of a sudden, the game is more intense, and it's high intensity, high octane championship stuff in in the searing heat that you get the odd day in June and I know last year I think it was against Tipperary with the herders it was it was a very hot day and all of a sudden you get one of those that we're not used to so for me just being in the dressing room I'm definitely trying to not get in the way because like I said earlier it's it's hurling or it's football or it's rugby and nutrition isn't more important than any of them you know it's only facilitating what they're able to do at the last quarter of the game like you know so I'll nearly even just stay with it away, stay by my nutrition table. Fellas will come over for a chat if, and, and ask you. It's nearly a nervous kind of uh, question that they know the answer to. Should I take this now? When should I take it? 
and right. uh, you're just kind of confirming things for them like but very much so i just kind of got into the dressing room to keep an eye on who's drinking what they're taking are the, are the gels touched is the food in the dressing room gone or is it very much untouched and just trying to figure out if there's a very easy win for us as a as a group and then you pick up the kind of individuals within that as well so like yeah like you said there there's a physio knocking around there's fellas go into into the physio maybe jump on a bed maybe they're cycling a bike but it very much depends on if they're carrying an injury what the injury is uh if they cool down and, and warm up again like a tendon injury which i'd be used to uh that's the hardest part of getting going again as a tendon just gets really stiff and things like that so like depending on what they've got going on as an individual it's it's very funny you'll see fellas walking around kind of leaving the group chat you know from the manager but they're it's not questioned because you know they're doing something that they need to be doing at that time for their own individual performance uh to add to the add to the collective when they get back onto the pitch you know so I think the the manager and the messages and the coaches are the most important part and I'm very much flying the wall just making sure that there's enough stuff available to them it's not been thrown out of the way because someone needs to get a word in and the nutrition table has gone into the showers you know that is, if it's not there in front of them they're not they're not going to take it or they're very rarely going to go and look for it only fellas that kind of have a routine that they're afraid to go away from they'll be like where's such and such a thing that I need to have or I won't perform kind of thing like you know so yeah. but it like it is it's trying to make sure they, they're getting fluids in most importantly getting a carbohydrate source if they're able to get something in it's a carbohydrate source that they can tolerate very easily and what what is that you know, gels kind of affect fellas stomach so they might not might not want one maybe they'll have a they'll chew a couple of jellies they'll have a jaffa cake fellas might pick on fruit but you know you're just trying to make sure that they have everything available to them in a way that they're comfortable to go back out into the second half to to drive things on brilliant very insightful and johnny while you're on the sideline for that first half of play are you, as well as being a fan and, and following the game and how it's all going, are you note-taking? Are you analysing, let's say? Less so, really, but like you are making sure that you know there's water there for the bench. Guys that are coming on, are they sipping away? Who, who are your kind of main crampers, in a sense? Who are the guys that do the most mileage? You know, your, your middle eight. Are they, are they the guys that are like you're focusing on at half-time? Are they getting some fluids in? Is it a, a sports drink and some fluid? You know, so it, it it's just kind of yeah, mental notes as more than taking notes just to see what's going on with fellas. Did a fella pick up a knock because I might have to have a kind of a, a chat with him afterwards about his recovery and all that kind of stuff. So anyone who comes off injured, I'll go down and have a, a chat with them if, if they're not too frustrated with the injury at the time. Obviously I'll stay away from them as much as possible. And that's something that I learned as well at the start. The minute someone came off, I was like justifying my role with him, like, Oh, bring him a milk or bring him a, a recovery drink and Jesus, you're coming off a pitch, really high energy stuff. Like they don't want to be handed a milk or a water straight away. Like so, I, as much as I was just trying to be really diligent with my job, like I just waited for guys to to cool down a small bit, like and then approach them with, "Do you want something? Can I get you something? There, it's there if you need it." Kind of a thing, as opposed to shoving a milk down their throat when they're just off the pitch, and they mightn't even want to be taken off. They might feel like they're not as injured as what the the coaches think and all that kind of stuff. So just not getting on anyone's nerves while giving them as much um, support as possible. It was probably something I learned as well. I love what you say, that you're so diligent and this is my role. Exactly, but it's it's kind of weighing up, like, what's the benefit of getting this drink to him six minutes earlier or, or six minutes later? It's it's nothing really, like, you know, so just try, trying to be as human as possible and leaving them settled down before you uh, become the nerd that's forcing things down their throat again, like, you know. Flip that on its head, I suppose. Sometimes I imagine a player... Even in that intense situation, is very glad of of a kind of different voice or different yeah. opinion or different bit of advice. You know, as you say, if you're not on site all the time, it, it, they're they're blue in the face from listening to the coaches and managers and fellow players and colleagues. 
Yeah, because I just remind them that I have, like, I'm not a mole trying to get back to the coaches with information. I'm not, like, I have no agenda other than I'd be very clear on it's a player first approach for me. Uh, having been a player, I think that stands to me in a sense that I just want to make sure that the player is in the right mind to go out and perform or that they have everything that they need because I don't need to be someone that they are unsure of trusting or that they think, like, you know, selection doesn't go through me. You know, if coaches are saying this guy needs to lose such and such, uh, so much weight so that they can become available for selection I go back to that player and say look we need to figure out a way to do this for your sake to get this fella off your back so that this isn't an issue for your selection not going back and like oh the coach is saying that you need to this or you're not selected so do what I say or else like you know it's very it's, it's not like that at all it, it's very much so that the player can get on as opposed to uh, what what I need to do for me like you know so yeah I, I'd make that clear early on that what I'm saying to you or what you're saying to me isn't just going to go back to a coach unless I feel it's going to be appreciated by the player that this situation will be sorted you know what I mean I would that I wouldn't get too far into that mix um unless I think it's it's going to be really beneficial like yeah it's brilliant because that surely kind of only strengthens your relationship and rapport we've mentioned it already like and and yeah. you know uh, the fact that it's not a you know there's no grassing going on or you're exactly. not that middleman who they can't open up to or kind of speak to you know so that that has yeah. to fuel that relationship very positively like yeah. you know and johnny as we say then we're, we'll, we'll keep pushing on so we've half time done and you you you're in the dressing room you have your role done they go they play the next 30 to 40 45 minutes whatever it might be and then for the guys listening in at any level of sport really in terms of recovery then which is possibly and arguably up there with a high priority in your nutrition day on match day uh but any hints and tips advice around kind of from post match in, into the evening and, and seeing out the weekend then yeah, like I think people very much overthink some things. They think there's a magic potion that they need to take in so that they can recover. But it's very situational. Like, do you have championship again next Saturday? Is it a six-day turnaround? Is it a three-week turnaround? With the way championship has changed now, you might get week on week before you wouldn't have done that. Uh, with Carcon, we might have a six, seven, or eight-day turnaround. You know, these kind of a things. So you, you have to weigh up what's coming next. But very much that's to give you the extra bits and pieces. Like your, your recovery is going to be very straightforward in terms of what I nearly said for uh, pre-match is the same as post-match. It's just you're thinking about it in a different way. It's not fueling to perform. It's fueling to recover for your next performance or refueling to, to recover for the next performance. But the, the three hours of recovery are where you, you kind of stay really, like with your repair, refuel, rehydrate. So you repair uh, your muscle with protein, uh, refuel your, your energy levels of carbohydrates, and you rehydrate with fluid, you know, but within that, you know, how much protein, how much carbs, how much fluid, what type of fluid, uh, does the protein come in a, in, the, in the form of a shake, are they going for food straight away, do they even need a shake, how long will they be in the dressing room, is there going to be a talk after the, the match, it would be surprised that with high level sports, they'll be sitting around for half an hour before they even bother showering, they might be talking to other players about something that either pissed them off, or a talking point in the game, or reflecting on a, a really good win, so that could be half an hour, the coach will be talking for 10 or 15 minutes. They might have a reflection point. It could be an hour before you get to the, the food. So then you would get something into them in the dressing room, even if they're getting fed on site or very close to the site. So it's the three hours. Some people will add in a, another or replenishment uh, of the immune system with whole foods and nutrient density, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants kind of a thing. But that should come in the way of good food choices anyway. You know, if you're if you're having a meal with, you know, potato as your carbohydrate and um, a lean meat and some fruit salad or vegetables or something with that meal you're, you're covering all those bases anyway but it's the, the three or four hours of recovery is where you would really stay 
and then you can get into the nitty gritty of you know you'll see a lot of things about uh, tart cherry juice and uh, different kind of recovery mechanisms um, to try and reduce the impact of the performance on the players with a very short turnaround but that's kind of the small few percentages of even and then with most people in sport you probably don't even need to go there and it's just costing you money and, and within team sport there are budgets as well like do you have the budget to have all these lovely fluffy things or do you have to nail the basics because that's where you're getting the most of your return from you know yeah very well said i love that last part about kind of how far will nailing the basics bring you and get you and from as we spoke off air about, about the kind of financial side of say particularly in this example the ga it's only music to their ears if we can nail the basics properly at, at, which yeah. is the cheaper option you know what i mean yeah. get, get the well, it's get, like, if, if you bring in this magic supplement that fellas are taking will they just not eat their meal properly because they feel oh, this thing will do it for me and they just they've lost a, a good chunk of percentage for a small percentage because you know they're prioritizing the easy one over the over the basics like you know so Definitely just trying to get their meals into them, have something for them in the dressing room and then make sure that they understand if they can have a point because they're not playing for or until three weeks time or if there's a short turnaround, what's the implications of having a drink and a poor night's sleep on their training week. Sometimes fellas go, we're not playing for a week, but like you're back into training on Monday or Tuesday and you need to perform and not just get through that. So how do you do that and recover in time to go and put your best effort into training to prepare for a good performance the next weekend, you know? So you've to very much become a human again though because like, there might be a couple of points. Someone might have a family social event. They might be shooting off to a wedding. Like, what are you supposed to tell that person? No, you need to eat every couple, every couple of hours and it needs to be really high nutrient density foods, like, as opposed to having a couple of pints of Guinness. Like, you know, so it's situational, but that's where coaching comes into it and, and being a human being, like, and trying to get the best situation for those people. If it's a, if a player, middle of the field, has a very important family wedding, sister's getting married, um, what are you supposed to do like no you're not drinking for it if that's their choice that's their choice but what you'd very much try to figure out is what is their plan for that evening can you get them up early or get them a, a good sleep get them up in the morning time and have a really positive meal that's going to have an impact on them rehydrate get some protein back into them get some nutrient density back in instead of having the event being hung over for two days and turning up to, to training in rag order like you know so that's the reality of the other side of it but the theory and the and the kind of the guidelines would be very much three hours of recovery, eat a couple of times after that, that game with protein, carbs, rehydrate with fluid, don't disrupt your sleep, get a good night's sleep and get back into training during the week. Fantastic. It's brilliant. It's very, very insightful. And what I keep picking up on there, Johnny, in all the brilliant information that, that you're sharing with us is the scheduling of it. It's I know I mentioned the, the kind of wedding scenario with my own clients or earlier, but it's something I never would have thought of that you say even you know when is the next the fixture list basically and or their training schedule and the rest of it and even from post match nutrition later on into the evening in terms of what like just literally what's next you know in terms yeah. of days and weeks as opposed to just that set of 24 hours or whatever you know and you know so, sometimes like you're sitting on a bus and you're like oh, I know the lads are getting bottles of beer and they're like yeah. oh, the nutritionist in me is like just cringing <laughs> with like oh they're going to be in shit order during the week but like yeah yeah yeah, yeah you have to think about what the mental impact of a player is if they can just let loose for a small bit and and enjoy themselves without going too far will they turn up with a bit with a fresher mind rearing to go as opposed to someone who's physically recovered but just not interested like you know so there's a balance yeah. to, to to be struck there but sometimes you just don't agree with the timing of it but it's not your call you know 
Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure Johnny D off duty, Johnny, maybe after a big win, would love a bottle with him, of course. But he's Absolutely. he would be too many. Time and a place now to, to let that side out. Yeah, yeah, good man yourself. And Liz, you kind of uh, uh, show notes here. The next, the next one is kind of re- recovery and, and hydration, which we've, we've nearly covered there. In fairness, it's excellent and the importance of it. And you've kind of alcohol touched on there as well. Are you being asked about alcohol a lot in your role? It's not that I, I, I don't know if I'm being asked about it a lot, but it probably just comes up in the conversation when you're talking about, you know, like I said, you, you don't just deal with the training session, you deal with the hours before and after it, and you don't just deal with the match, you deal with the, the hours or the days before and after. So it does come up, like you do have to deal with it. But, um, I mean, I, I was in a dressing room as well and I played the game. I know some fellas would want to drink more, some fellas would want to drink less, and they strike their own balance. And once they have that balance, then that's fine. But uh, And I know, like, management will have their own, ideas on it so I have to operate within that as well you know but at least if I can get them to recover properly uh yeah there might be a beer in a dressing room somewhere but like if you can get them to rehydrate eat go away and while while they're getting ready have a piece of food to to keep them going through the night uh, and that kind of stuff and just minimize the effect of it but like you know even you, you touched on hydration and you know the guidelines would suggest that for every kilo you lose uh, you need about a liter and a half of fluid because you're going to lose some of that fluid again when you're trying to rehydrate so you know very much kind of showing the lads that on a weighing scale the odd time that you've lost two kilos like you, you actually need to rehydrate quite heavily here and that's not even in the middle of summer in the middle of championship this is just a, a friday night session you know so you can have really practical things that once they see it they kind of go oh i didn't understand that and and they'll take the, the rehydration a lot more seriously uh, and you you wouldn't do that every session obviously because it comes it becomes a drain and it loses its effect as well but trying to get the recovery done and then they can go in and enjoy themselves at certain times that's that's important for me as well yeah it's very good <clears throat> and i suppose johnny the proof is there for players or as i say like you look at the kind of whoever's winning at elite level across any sports it's high up on their priority list now at this stage isn't it yeah like you'll uh you definitely have players who can become a bit of a, a leader for you they mightn't be the biggest leader in the group or they mightn't be the be- the, the i suppose in inverted commas the best player in the group not getting the most scores in the group, but like fellas will see their improvements and they're like, what's he doing? And they want a bit of that, like, you know, so yeah. Um, yeah. you can definitely have fellas that can lead the group in certain areas if they see what's going on with them. And then you, you'd hope that your older players have, have built these habits that younger players are going to learn from as well. That's where the group really gets going. If you, if you have those kind of guys around the place as well, like, you know, so um, yeah, you, you, you definitely use players in a sense as well like that. Brilliant, Johnny. Excellent. And Johnny, supplementation, one of the last topics here on my show notes. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, does it come up regularly? Is there, many, is there, is there interest and kind of curiosity across panels about it? Is there any kind of go-to at general kind of health level that you, that you advise every player or anyone who talks to you about them, about that topic? Uh, it does come up, and I suppose you get the fellas who are more into their gym work. Like we said, if, if they're not playing sport they're going to be away in the gym anyway and then you get other guys who wouldn't go near the gym if they weren't playing sport it's just sport and sport only you know so you do get a mixture of fellas and then because of that you get a mixture of kind of interest and supplements but for me i think the mo- you're talking protein because it's co- because of its convenience more than anything in a, in a sporting context especially when these guys are working and playing sport it can be up there as one of the most uh, efficient ones for us and, and a bit of creatine if guys are um, okay about taking it and if they understand everything about it then then it's a it's a very efficient one as well or effective one but for me coming in from a, a rugby point of view like I didn't want to be the rugby guy coming in and just landing a lot of supplements in the dressing room and saying take those because I would have lost the group immediately so 
Uh, I took a slower approach to supplementation uh, with those groups and very much an educational food first approach in a sense, which we should all be doing, but education first as well, that I didn't want to just be giving someone something without them understanding it because that's just no good for me or them. So, you know, budgets in these games anyway, they don't allow you to be supplementing with everything you want to play around with. But like if you think about supplements, you still talk about carb gels. Like your carb gel is probably more important than than someone getting creatine. So like carb gels in the dressing room before and after or during, I mean, before and during the, the match would be one of your most important supplements, even though people don't think about that as a supplement. And then maybe some caffeine on the game day, but away from that in, in training times, you're probably talking uh, protein and creatine. And, you know, outside of that, you're not really getting much benefit from, from the rest of it. Maybe a bit of vitamin D during the summertime or during the wintertime and probably not a whole lot other than that, you know. You know, I mean, first of all, we should be nailing the basics, I suppose, which we've touched on. And after that, you're only talking maybe one or two. I'd be big on kind of digestion and gut health, you know, maybe a yeah. multivit or, or whatever it might be. And then again, coming back to it, like if the, if your food should be enough protein, but maybe seven or eight out of ten times, it's not. So we yeah. might supplement that. Like the, and, and it's very interesting, actually, and very kind of honest what you mentioned about the finance of it. Like these these things, bits and pieces don't come that cheap regularly. Um, it's a different industry yeah when, when, you're, when you're paying for for a group and like there's there's other things that we need to get first like it's not just nutrition there's there's other aspects of sport like you know they, they eat after training so they actually are getting food anyway so there's a load of costs going to this when, when they travel as a group up the country for a league game they're they're expensive trips like you know so you definitely try to understand the budgeting issue sometimes you want to get a certain thing for a player as well like you know so uh, and you'd be given the go-ahead for those kind of things and it's great but trying to get the biggest bang for your buck for a group and not just thinking with your nutrition hat on that there's more to it than just nutrition is is important like you know but uh, as well you have to think about the return on investment but all what with all these things are you getting as much return on them as what people might think and we blow up the benefits of supplements as opposed to the benefits of, of basic behavior great stuff and johnny before before we wrap it up and before i let you go it's been a brilliant a very very insightful a brilliant conversation but for any players who are currently playing i might be listening in today i don't know do i call it off season we kind of got our land you know and what i was just going to mention was kind of any extra advice both players and, and general population for the the current climate with the the coronavirus and being stuck in at home and all that yeah like where i think the biggest thing for me is when the whole kind of for want of better terms now because I don't know if these are the right ones but when the lockdown or the social distancing kind of started is that people didn't know what their routine was and certainly myself as well we had to, we had to play with our routine a small bit and I think we we operate well with routine I'm not like I'm not saying that we have to have a structured schedule because people work differently but a lot of people if you look at their kind of weekday they're in the office and they know what they're eating breakfast lunch snack uh, they'll go get home and have a dinner and it's when they're away from the office in the evening time that things go a bit wayward or the weekend goes a little bit wayward because you've got a bit of freedom and you don't know how to deal with it at all but like you know so it was very much like that at the beginning of this is that like people were at home too much snacks around the place freedom to leave their desk whenever they wanted or it probably wasn't even a desk they mightn't even have been working unfortunately so um a bit more free time a bit more boredom, boredom meeting and all that kind of stuff but on the other side of it athletes had a lot more time to organize themselves and they had a bit more time to cook and I suppose from my point of view with players, they weren't getting fed four times a week. They now had to cook four more times a week and they weren't pinching food for a lunchtime the next day and all that kind of stuff. So a bit more of an emphasis on maybe honing in on their skills a small bit more or maybe just finding a bit more organisation. Uh, but then they should have had more time to do so as well because to be fair to these guys, I don't give anyone the excuse of time too often, but GA players are working full-time a lot. 
or they've got study going on and they're, they're, or the, the young fellas kind of fending for themselves for the first time up in college road and going to college and trying to get to training and all that kind of stuff. So like the practical side of it is that it's difficult to, to have both sides going on. So I don't give the, the excuse of time too often, especially for the guys that are working. You might be going to East Cork after working for the day, having a training session, traveling an hour. Very, very difficult. So um, just kind of sticking to a routine a little bit more, finding what you can do as opposed to kind of being annoyed by what you can't do, not get back into the gym. And most people found a patch of grass to do a bit of running on or they found some way of incorporating some weights. But I know it's not ideal. But like I think as you'll see with clients and you might see yourself, you can get a lot more done than what you think. It just gets a bit boring after a couple of weeks, doesn't it? But uh, I think the the main thing is that you find a new routine and you try to lay it out some way for yourself. Like even if you have too much time in your hands, I think it's it's a good thing to know what's coming next instead of just being kind of staring into the next couple of weeks without knowing what's going on day to day. So for me personally, I think routine has been good to me because I like my routine. And when I retired from rugby after having, having had a very routine lifestyle, I just made it more structured again. Like, you know, because that's what I like. Other people might not like that. But for kind of... Um, a work situation people have just found their workstation and stuck to that a little bit more for meals i think knowing what your meal times are knowing what your snacks are having positive snacks around the house as opposed to trying not to snack and then eating all the chocolate in the press all these kind of things i think have been important while we're kind of stuck at home a bit more but also giving someone a chance to get out on their lunch and go for a walk in the evening time thank god the, the weather has been pretty good to us to be fair so even if we are sticking to two kilometers ish around the house it's um it's been all right to get out and stuff so personally as well i found that i just did a bit more running and things that i don't do things that i've been afraid to do with my hamstring that you might actually just go and test the boundaries a small bit and uh it helped me and my own friends that we had a little bit of a competition going with with some running and things like that like you know so you learn different ways to cope with it and, and like i just think that yeah, I didn't structure or routinely do my exercise at the same time every day. I just found a chance to do it. But definitely with food for myself and for clients and players, I think that the routine of it is one of the most important parts of kind of sticking to a normal day because that, that's what we are anyway. We have a breakfast, lunch and dinner for a reason. We go by the daylight and we sleep at nighttime. You know, that's routine and structure. So uh, I think we, we deal quite well with that and we don't kind of lose the run of ourselves when, when that happens, even if... Most days could have been a weekend for, for some people. I definitely felt like that where you're eating a homemade pizza on a Monday night instead of a Friday night or something like that, you know. But yeah, yeah, the structure is, I think, the best thing for us. Great advice. Brilliant answer, Johnny. Thanks for that. So listen, Johnny, thank you so much. And for any listeners that might want to reach out to you or start following some of your brilliant content online and that, can they find it somewhere? Yeah, Johnny Holland 10 is most of my stuff. So my website is johnnyholland10.com. My Twitter and Instagram are the two that I really use, Johnny Holland 10 as well. And that's where, like, Instagram is where I do most of my nutrition and food stuff. Twitter, you might get some uh, RT articles that I retweet as well. I don't use Twitter for much more than that, to be fair, but it's more kind of sporting stuff. Um, but, yeah, that's where you get me. That's perfect, Johnny. Stay safe, my man, and thanks very much for joining me today. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on as well. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share and tag us on your stories and leave a review. As always, you can find us at jlynchpt.ie and across all our social media platforms with the handle at jlynchptcenter. Mind yourselves, mind each other and stay safe. Until the next one, cheers.